Hello and welcome to For What It's Worth. I'm Isabella Klitsis and I'm joined by Dr. Ross Baker, a distinguished, distinguished professor of political science at Rutgers University and author of American Government, Friend and Foe of the United States Senate and Is Bipartisan Dead and of course many other incredible political commentaries. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, it's very, I'm very pleased to be here, Isabella. Um, so let's jump into it. Today we're going to be talking about the insurrection that happened at the Capitol on the uh, 6th, kind of what led up to it, why it happened, um, and where we see ourselves in the future. So um, news stations need views to report the news. That's how capitalism works, right? Um, but no longer are they competing with other news stations. They're now competing with anybody with an internet connection. So over the past decade, old media, new media, and now social media are competing um, for the attention of their viewers. Has the need for media companies to grasp and keep the attention of, these, of its viewers led us to the extent of polarization that we're seeing today? In other words, has the need for MSNBC and Fox to give us a Tucker Carlson and a Chris Hayes contributed to what we saw on January 6th? Well, I mean, certainly the 24-hour news uh, channels were a major, uh, a major factor in American politics beginning in the early 1990s. Uh, social media is something entirely different in that you know, everybody can be a newscaster. Um, and a lot of people get their news exclusively from uh, social media. Uh, and I think in, in the past, I think this has proven to be very dangerous. Um, I mean, there was, there's no quality control uh, on, um, on uh, social media. You, know, you publish what you want, um, no fact checking. Uh, so it, it gives rise to uh, exaggerated claims. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, a lot of people suffering from a terminal case of keyboard courage you know, writing outlandish things uh, and stirring people up. Um, and I don't personally use Facebook. Uh, I, I consider Facebook probably one of the most dangerous innovations uh, in, uh, in American media, probably since the, you know, the invention of newspapers. Um, it, it is... Uh, with all of the, the, the mediators that they have and all the people that they've hired to mediate content, it, it still seems like a place where inflammatory messages have found a home. Uh, and I think that that's got to be a problem for us. Yeah, um, absolutely. And it's, I think it's beyond Facebook. I mean, we've seen a rise in apps like Parler. Do you have anything to say about things like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the only thing you say about Parler is it doesn't have that many people who are using it. I mean, mm -hmm. Facebook is enormous mm -hmm. uh, in its scope. Uh, and, 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 I, and I guess the way it works is that, uh, you know, no matter how outrageous, unsubstantiated, specious uh, your message is, you're going to find uh, somebody who's going to, uh, to give you a, uh, uh, a place to... Uh, to, to uh, disseminate these uh, these things um there's just there you know there's no control over it's the wild west uh and you know you can seek out any crackpot idea uh, or conspiracy that you want and, and find a place for it I, I don't i don't really know what can be done let's say from the point of view of regulatory policy 
it wouldn't immediately be assailed as an attack on the First Amendment. But, you know, the First Amendment, as, as broadly as it has been interpreted by the Supreme Court, uh, I think certainly, you know, doesn't come close to uh, providing protection for these libelous kinds of uh, statements that are, that are uh, broadcast on social media. Uh, you know, you know, as in the, in the famous um, Supreme Court decision um, about uh, about free speech, uh, you know, it doesn't it doesn't entitle you to shout hunt to to falsely shout fire in a crowded theater, and a lot of people are falsely shouting fire. Yeah, um, absolutely. So. Um kind of pivoting from social media, because clearly that had an impact on what we saw um, on the 6th, and kind of talking about um, leftist media. In many instances, we've seen them kind of claim a moral high ground. Um, in one example, I could find uh, Brian Settler critiquing Brett Baer's uh, reporting on the occupied state in Seattle. There was clearly an air of disappointment. He said, quote, um, you can't just quote the president lying about American citizens. There's always been this repertoire, this back and forth, excuse me, back and forth um, between especially um, CNN and Fox, MSNBC and Fox, things like that. Um, and just for the viewer's sake, this is one example. I could find many others. And for everyone that I could find for CNN, I could find one for Fox as well. That being said, do you think that uh, left-wing media's contribution to the intense polarization that we see um, lands them some or any of the blame uh, for the protests that we saw? Well, not, not necessarily for the protests at the Capitol. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that you know, certainly um, uh, One American News and, uh, and these kind of fringe channels uh, certainly contribute to it. Fox threw some uh, kindling on the fire as well. Um, the, the, the problem that I have with MSNBC particularly is it, it is just so predictable um, that, you know, you go there if you are on the left uh, to have all of these wonderful things whispered in your ear uh, or be inflamed by Rachel Maddow or, or, uh, uh, or you know, uh, Brian Williams. Uh, it, it's, uh, you know, it was, it was very comforting <laughs> in my youth to know that there were only three choices, ABC, CBS, and NBC. All of them were middle of the road. None of them peddled conspiracy theories. Um, and and it, you know, it was really basically the deregulation of media and the, well, the, really the, the uh, advent of CNN um, in the early 1990s that really, really changed things. And then of course, uh, <laughs> Me, that's Walter, my dog. No, no worries. <laughs> he, he, there's somebody at the door. <laughs> this is one of the pro one of the problems with uh, uh, with uh, coronavirus uh, has been the uh, you know living living at home and having to contend with barking dogs and crying children and things like that. So and stepdaughters that come over. And as my stepdaughter just said, stepdaughters would come over unexpectedly. <laughs> I'm using the absolutely. <laughs> but uh, no, it, it really is a, a situation in which you can you can kind of target the particular prejudice that you 
that you harbor uh, or the particular um, passionate issue um, that you want to promote and, and find a place for it. And, and, and more than that, uh, find listeners and viewers for it. Um, this was, I mean, this country was a, a much more serene place when there wasn't so much choice. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, so you said that the left-wing media um, potentially did, should not take any of the blame for their protests or should not take the majority of the blame. So in your opinion, where do you think that the blame lies for what happened, what we saw happen on the 6th? Mostly, mostly with social media. Okay. Yeah. I think that social media was definitely, I mean, Parler and, you know, and, and others like it. I mean, you know, with, you know, obscure, uh, you know, eight, you know, 4chan, 8chan, all, you know, all of these crazy uh, conspiratorial channels that did a lot to promote QAnon. And QAnon was a major factor in the, uh, in the attack on the Capitol. And a lot of people, you know, really have bought into that cock and bull story. Um, and, uh, and that really has been propagated through respectable social media like, like Facebook, although they try to police it. Um, but uh, also you know, people who are angry, have grievances and so on, uh, can find some source of uh, support from, uh, from social media channels um, that are going to mirror uh, their hostilities and their their anger and their resentment. Yeah, um, absolutely. And kind of uh, piggybacking off of that, um, how has the increase in social media, the use of it and the use of it uh, for political means, uh, for that matter, changed the polarization um, that we see in America, kind of that us versus them um, mentality that's arising? It's, it's a fuel. Um, you know, that... You know, I mean, there have always been people who have a, you know, a score to settle or, you know, have some kind of a, of a uh, fringe cause that they want to push, but they really never had an opportunity to do it through, let's say, print media. And, you know, they might, you know, find, a, uh, you know, some kind of print outlet that reached a half a dozen people. Uh, the thing about social media uh, as a purveyor of myths and lies and exaggerations uh, is that potentially its reach is so, so great. Um, and, you know, there, you know, for every conspiratorial thought that you have, for every enemy you fear, you know, that you fear is, uh, uh, is, is threatening you, uh, you will find uh, a place uh, in the social media constellation uh, that's going to feed your anger and your resentment. Um, absolutely. I think that, you know, really, the, you know, American democracy has not yet developed um, a, 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 a process for, for, for handling social media. And, and I think, honestly do think that, that, that there has to be a kind of regulatory crackdown and, and the free speech advocates are going to howl like mad. Um, but I think that the, the, the danger really is that, that the, the proliferation of these sites is really undermining uh, confidence, not just in government. I mean, there's always been a certain amount of cynicism about 
about the intentions of people in public office and so on. But, but the, the problem is that kind of questioning the fundamentals of American democracy, uh, of not accepting a, a properly conducted elections. Uh, the, tw the 2020 presidential election was one of the most, uh, one of the most cleanly and honestly conducted elections in American history. Were there isolated examples of, of election fraud? Absolutely, there always are. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, in fact, it's really interesting that, that the, one of the worst examples of election fraud uh, was something that was uh, uh, organized by a Republican a party operative in North Carolina in 2018. Mm -hmm. um, and this was called ballot harvesting. I mean that that was that was a serious that was a serious uh, uh, breach of uh, uh, of election law, but in this this in this in, in the 2020 presidential election, I think you had as many safeguards uh, as you could possibly have, and and the people who ran those elections were really American heroes. You know these were people who came under attack. Um, uh, you know, as, as open as the process was, uh, you know, Philadelphia Convention Center, uh, where they were counting the ballots, um, the, um, uh, the, the observers were supposed to stand six feet away. Well, that wasn't enough. They wanted to kind of, you know, kind of get right up to the, the backs of the people counting ballots and, and considered that a form of, uh, uh, of election fraud. Well, it, it wasn't. I mean, it was a perfectly reasonable uh, restriction not to have people breathing down the backs of those who are were, were counting the ballots. I mean, especially amidst a pandemic, right? Um, exactly. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. I think social media has fundamentally altered the way that we see other people. America has had a history of dichotomy um, and news has always contributed to that, right? Like we saw Hamilton and Jefferson funding newspapers whose sole intention was to slander each other. Um, Alexis Tocqueville spoke about how American politics were a blood sport. Nevertheless, when they wrote that, men were debating in taverns. There was a sense of humanity to uh, your opponent. It was someone you went to church with, you went to the market with. Um, but now, debating someone through a screen, um, you're no longer debating another American, you're debating another ideology. And I think that's what contributes to this sense of, like I said, us versus them. Right. Well, of course, you know, uh, so any visual medium, uh, any active visual medium like television or uh, social media and so on, uh, the vividness of these of these media, mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the immediacy of them. Uh, you know, when you got a newspaper in the 19th century, the news was already a day old. Uh, you know, this this is this is a situation in which they're in which your reaction as a, as a news consumer can be instantaneous. Look at the Ted Cruz, um, the, the Ted Cruz uh, situation, uh, you know, going down to Cancun um, in, in, the, in the midst of this terrible crisis that Texas, Texas was going through. I mean, we have been saturated with, with reporting on this. Uh, I, I don't think it's all that important. I mean, I'm, I'm certainly no, no fan of Ted Cruz, uh, but, you know, it's really kind of become uh, a sort of uh, ballroom brawl um, that uh, is, is kicked off. Uh, and it just, it just continues until 
uh, interest in it wanes. People will not be talking about Ted Cruz next week, but, but right now people are really inflamed about it. Um, and uh, it, 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 it's, uh, it's, it's something that really kind of puts the torch to, um, to, to political conversation. Sure, you know, you know, traditionally people argued over politics, they did. But there were, I think that there was an acceptance of, of some basic facts about, about the world. Um, uh, you know, I, I think that the, the um, uh, that social media kind of lends itself to uh, a kind of lunacy um, in which, you know, you can, you know, kind of almost on an impromptu basis uh, come up with some kind of inflammatory statement uh, that's going to get another, you know, uh, thousands or millions of other people uh, equally inflamed. Uh, it's, it's the immediacy of it. It's the vividness of it. It's, it's the fact that you, that you yourself become a producer of news, um, which is very empowering for people. Um, the whole idea of influencers, um, which, of course, you know, we mainly associate with promotion of commercial products. Um, uh, you know, these, these people are engaged in putting Home Shopping Network out of business. Uh, you know, these, these, and you know, and in a way, I suppose it, it's 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 very uh, it's very good in terms of you know uh, fostering competition. Um, but you know, the fact is that that uh, uh, there are you know there are these people who become instant celebrities. Uh, and if it's all of, if all it, it is is promoting a brand of sneakers or sweatshirts, um, that's one thing. Um, but it's quite another thing if somebody quite irresponsibly uses unsourced materials, uh, unfact checked assertions, and so on. Um, it really kind of creates a whole a whole collection of of dump fires. Throughout the throughout the social media world, um, absolutely. I'd I'd have to ask. I, I feel obligated to ask. Do you think that there's any positive to having um, news that can just be given to people so easily and kind of uh, have these conversations across the nation so easily? Um, is there any positive to having politics on social media? I do, I, I do honestly, uh, Isabella. But the fat is in the fire. Mm -hmm. You know, it really is. It's, there, there's no, there's no calling this back. Uh, it's what we're going to have to live with. And I guess my own feeling is that somehow there has to be some kind of regulatory response. Well, now what that is, I don't know, because this is really international. I mean, let's suppose, for example, that the Federal Communications Commission decides that that this is that, that uh, much of the social media is so destructive uh, to American democracy uh, you know, that undermines trust in government so uh, in, in such a damaging way uh, that they find a way to license um, uh, license uh, social media platforms. Well, you know, somebody will set up shop in Sweden or in Botswana. Or in Malaysia, uh, you know, there, you know that that's the thing about about social media is that it transcends national boundaries, and so and and the other thing is it allows you to I think a, to a greater extent 
to tamper with the, po the politics in other countries. I mean, the Russians have been, uh, have, have you know, really tried to, uh, in, in some very, very direct and, and, uh, and important ways and other, in, in others sort of just simply annoying ways uh, to try to discredit the United States. You know, Russia is a weak country. Uh, I mean, it's a country with a, with, a, um, with a currency that nobody wants. It's a country that's, that's riven by uh, protest and so on. Um, it's, not the, it's not the USSR. Um, and yet they have the ability, uh, because they've got some clever people who, knows, who know something about technology, to interfere in the United States, to, um, to denigrate the United States, to ridicule the United States. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to know what to do about that. Uh, you know, the cat's out of the bag. Yeah, um, absolutely. So we've, we've discussed this dichotomy um, in, in America. And historically, like we've been united in times of crisis. Arguably, we were amongst our most united uh, post 9-11 or during World War II. What do you predict um, we will, sorry, rather, do you predict that we will see more unity uh, as a result of this dichotomy? Um, and is it part of our American cycle? Do we experience these ebbs and flows of unity? Well, Isabella, you know, honestly, if if social media were as prevalent in 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 uh, two thousand and one as it is today, I would imagine that a substantial portion of the American population would have doubted that the attacks on nine eleven took place. That there would have been not one Marjorie Taylor Greene, but millions of Marjorie Taylor Greens peddling the idea that no plane no plane crashed into the Pentagon. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's something that, um, uh, that, that, you know, you have, a, you have a platform for people who simply want to create chaos, who thrive on, on, kind, of, on kind of anarchy, mm -hmm. um, who, who really, I mean, whose motives really are, are, are questionable. Um, again, you know, what, what's, the, what's the response consistent with uh, with adhering to, to the First Amendment? Uh, you know, the, the, uh, the framers of the Constitution were, were brilliant, brilliant people, uh, but they weren't soothsayers. Mm -hmm. um, and they could not have anticipated uh, a media environment in which, uh, with a kind of immediacy uh, and, and alarming effectiveness, uh, is able to propagate things that simply are not true. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you know, you have, we have a, 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 a tens of millions of Americans. I mean, perhaps as many as 50 million Americans who still believe that Joe Biden is not the legitimate president of the United States. This is serious. You know, this is not just a handful of crackpots in Southern California. This is, uh, you know, this is a large number of people. Institutions have embraced the idea that the election was, was stolen. Uh, churches, uh, you know, pastors from, from, from the pulpit are, are promoting this idea that Joe Biden is not the legitimate president of the United States. Um, uh, and, you know, this has just infused uh, the fiber of American society 
um, and, uh, and, and it just leaves us with, you know, having to grow, having to, to, to uh, grapple with uh, uh, conversations which, uh, you know, which are, which are very difficult to, to broach because people uh, are proceeding from such preposterous premises. Uh, it's kind of hard to cut through that uh, to make an argument to, to engage people um, you know, my own, my own, in my own situation, I, uh, I write columns for, for USA Today. I'm a mm -hmm. member of the Board of Contributors of USA Today. So I, I write quite often and I get a lot of hate mail. And, uh, and what I do when I get hate mail, if the person signs the, uh, the email to me, I will respond and I will try to find a way to engage with that person. In, in a way that 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 I, I feel uh, that I've been able to make some kind of connection, to kind of kind of bring them down from this high of of uh, overstimulation over political issues and so on. And say, hey, you know, we're both Americans, but we, we certainly have something in common. Um, and uh, I mean, that's that's my own modest effort to try to. Uh, reach across this in increasing abyss uh, between people who, you know, believe the election was legitimate, and the election wasn't legitimate, or believe that, you know, there was attack, an attack on the United States in 2001, or there wasn't an attack. Um, uh, but it's, it's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, um, absolutely. Do you think, you said you tried to reach across the aisle and find middle ground in the fact that you're both Americans. But do you think that this sense of national identity, um, your definition of an American versus the person who sent you hate mail's definition of American has changed? And do you think it's now more than ever more difficult to uh, find that middle ground or do you think it still exists? Well, I mean, I, I think the, 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 the uh, uh, proclivity on the part of people to kind of yell traitor or un-American is just, it's just much greater. It, it's the kind of go to the most extreme uh, response, let's say, to 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 an op-ed, rather than to say, "Hey, listen, I think that you uh, misquoted something," or you know, I you know, my feeling about this is that you know that you are your information is incorrect. You know, there there are ways to engage that doesn't involve accusations of treason or heresy or whatever. Um, uh, but the, the thing, the thing about social media is it doesn't, it doesn't do subtlety very well. Mm -hmm. It doesn't do moderation very well. It doesn't do nuance very well. What it does well is anger, passion, um, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the, the thoughts of the moment, uh, that, that it does very well. You, you can translate your, your, emotions directly to millions of people uh, you know get them get them as outraged as you are uh, and you know that that's something that that 19th century newspapers just couldn't couldn't do and it's what you know uh, broadcast television in the 1970s couldn't do mm -hmm. yeah um, so so do you think that this is um the breaking point for us. Do you think that this is where we see America 
divide. It's no longer that that sense of unity. And I think, I mean, personally, I think our name is slightly ironic. I wouldn't say we're very united in our ideologies at the moment, at least. Um, but do you think personally that this is a breaking point for us? I really do. Um, I, I, this, this, I, I really do believe it's an existential threat. And I, I don't use that term lightly. Um, that, that, you know, I think it's become unmanageable. Um, I think that the, you know, there's been, a, this, you know, uh, particularly after the election of President Trump, um, this um, uh, narrative that talks about, well, you know, there aren't any, uh, any gatekeepers anymore. There aren't any people whose integrity is so universally respected that if they say about an, you know about an accusation or rumor this just isn't true, people will be satisfied with that. Uh, you know the idea that that Dr. Fauci could be controversial, I think really underscores the problem. Yeah. I mean, here's a guy with no political agenda that I could have ever discerned. I think he's a committed scientist. I think he, he, what he says is based on his research. He can be wrong and he can make suggestions. I mean, you know, the question early in the, in the pandemic, you know, he was concerned about the availability of surgical masks for medical personnel, a perfectly logical thing. And he discouraged the use of masks. Then it, it turned out, of course, that, um, that ordinary surgical masks were perfectly in perfectly uh, uh, ample supply. Um, and, and he kind of, you know, he was very discreet, very, you know, he held his tongue all the time um, that he was uh, on the uh, coronavirus task force for President Trump. And, you know, he, he was kind of universally respected, revered um, for, his, for his impartiality and so on. But even he has become a target mm -hmm. for people, uh, you know, who harbor conspiracy theories. And, and, and you, know, his, you know, his reputation is... I think still largely intact, but I'm sure that if you talk to uh, probably the same people who believe that the election was won by Donald Trump, they would say that, you know, that Dr. Fauci, you know, is a charlatan, a quack, you know, uh, you know there, there's, just, there's just nobody who can kind of step in and say, hey, you guys, cool it, uh, or no, no collection of people uh, because that would be I mean, on the left, for example, you'd, you'd have people crying about, you know, the elite trying to stifle, um, trying to stifle uh, a constructive uh, criticism. Uh, it, it's, it's something that, that really affects, affects both sides. And it's, you know, it's just this temptation, this proclivity to kind of go for your six gun immediately, um, you know, rather than try to talk something out. And, you know, it's been, it's been, I think, very difficult for Americans, uh, ordinary Americans in, 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 in family situations uh, that in the past were, you know, mostly, you know, friendly and, and happy occasions. I think people now go into, you know, occasions like Thanksgiving dinners uh, with, with relatives fearing that some political topic will come up. Uh, and and spoil the entire occasion. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know my Thanksgiving dinner dinner can get very politically heated very quickly. Um, 
But in your opinion, what is the next step, right? We've defined the problem and it's clearly great. Do you think that we can get out of it, out of this rather? Uh, how do you see we end our division? That, that of course, is a very, very difficult question to answer. Absolutely. I think a lot of, you know, political scientists like me, you know, you know, try to think of sort of institutional responses. Um, I, I think the question really comes down to, um, I, I don't know, perhaps an event that takes place that is, and I, and I almost hate to suggest this, that is so catastrophic. Uh, clearly COVID was not it. I mean, if, 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 the, if, the, uh, if the COVID pandemic wasn't enough to bring together the American people and say, you know, here is a common enemy, we can unite, it too has provoked um, division. Was it, you know, early on there were people who were saying it was a hoax. Um, I mean, if, if we were, you know, if, if some asteroid came out of space and struck the, struck the, uh, uh, the earth, uh, there would be people denying that it took place. Uh, you know, that, that's the problem, that, that, that truth has been deregulated. Um, that, that, you know, you can't, that, that facts, in fact, facts are up for, up for debate. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, things that are factually true, scientifically true, and so on. And I don't know how you get the genie back in the bottle, honestly. And, and I hate to, you know, to kind of talk about a problem at length and lament it um, dramatically and, you know, kind of over the top uh, and then not be able to come up with some reasonable uh, uh, single or, 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 or uh, plural uh, ways of, of dealing with it, um, mainly because, you know, personally, my engagement with social media is so marginal. Mm -hmm. I mean, it may be that there, there I mean, I, I, I do use Twitter. Uh, have, I have, you know, 609 followers. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, 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 I got out of Twitter at one point. I just didn't want, I didn't want to be part of it anymore. And as I say, I've totally shunned Facebook. Uh, I, I really think it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a medium for, for organizing you know, extremists. Um, and I, I don't know, I just hope that, you know, that this is not a problem that my grandchildren are struggling with 20 years from now. Um, all I, I feel, although I fear it will be, I mean, unless the novelty value of, of you know, putting all of your gripes, all of your resentments, all of your hostilities online, just get that. Um, another, <laughs> another quaint problem with, uh, uh, with uh, uh, recording from home during yeah, the absolutely. pandemic. Yeah, no worries. The, un the, un the unwanted telephone call. Um, <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, it, it's, um, it, 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 it may be for, for people who have these, um, uh, who have these axes to grind, 
I mean, it may be therapeutic for them, but my own, my own feelings, it only makes, her, makes them angrier. Um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't in any way uh, uh, placate them. It kind of just prompts people to find other things to be angry about. Uh, and, and when, you know, when, you know, uh, you know, the, you know, when, when all you've got, you know, is, uh, is uh, social media um, to, to air your grievances or propagate your, um, pro propagate your conspiracies, uh, you're going to use it. Uh, it's right there. You have access to it. Um, there are no significant um, uh, obstacles uh, to overcome. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I mean, the, the idea that the QAnon conspiracy theory has thrived is to me just astonishing. Um, I was getting a haircut about three years ago and I heard about it. There was somebody in the barbershop talking about it. I thought, this is crazy. I thought, this guy's really a crackpot. Why is he, you know, how can he believe this stuff? And then I discover that the country is full of people who believe crackpot theories um, and, uh, uh, and, and, and have infected American politics with falsity and fantasy um, that is, is really very destructive. Absolutely. And I kind of touched on this before, but do you think that there's any way for potentially my generation, I'm Gen Z, for us to harvest social media in a positive way? I know I see on uh, TikTok and Instagram, things like that, where people use social media to express their point of view, uh, either by prefacing it as an opinion piece or actually using fact. Do you think that we can make that more widespread and decrease the amount of conspiracy theories that we see on social media? Or do you think that's naive? Honestly, Isabella, uh, I don't know enough about social media. I mean, mm -hmm. if I were uh, if I were more of a user of social media, or you know, uh, were familiar with you know more more platforms. I mean, the, the only ones I, I really have any kind of passing interest in or knowledge about are you know Facebook and and uh, uh, and Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there may be a fix out there someplace. Uh, I mean, there may be a technological fix of some kind, um, uh, but um, certainly, you know, in, in terms of public policy, which is, the, you know, the the uh, that's the fire extinguisher on the wall that I would go to. Mm -hmm. um, I, I I really don't see anything that would be able to. Uh, be able to uh, be in conformance with uh, the First Amendment, especially uh, given the very, very broad interpretation of freedom of speech that the Supreme Court has adopted, in which really literally anything goes. Um, you know, if the Westboro Baptist Church can get away with going to the funeral of a soldier killed in Afghanistan and yell, uh, homophobic, homophobic slogans at the at the mourners, uh, and intrude into the in, into the the uh, sacredness of their grief. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what 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 is you know what is unacceptable. Yeah. Um, and so that's you know I I, I you know I I think that um, 
that, that, that's what the problem for following some kind of regulatory control would be, would be you'd run headlong into um, the First Amendment uh, and, and a Supreme Court that is extremely uh, broad in its, in its definition of, of the protections, uh, particularly freedom of speech. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, we're running up on our time, but thank you so much for joining us. That was uh, Dr. Ross Baker, as I said. Um, yeah, thank you for sitting down with me today. I know I had a lot of fun. I learned a lot. And uh, for what it's worth, I'm Isabella Klitsis.